Hi, I'm Chris Sabat, and you're listening to Byte. Welcome back to another episode of Button Mash, everybody. I'm your host, Chase Dreamman, Reviews Editor at Byte. With me, I have... Dalton Martin, Assistant Video Editor for Byte. And Jake Doolin, Managing Editor of Byte. Okay, so tonight, and it's a pretty topical topic we're working with here, we're talking games that have online components that are so bad, they basically trash the game. Now, Dalton, I know you aren't like personally, you haven't personally played anything recently that oh, might have had a bad online component. Why don't you tell us about your worst experience? Uh, okay, so I recently reviewed Hitman Episode 1, and let me tell you about this game. For some <laughs> reason, the great developers of IO Interactive decided, and Squeenix. Uh, and Squeenix decided that they wanted to separate the save files, so if you played a game online, you just you can only play it online. And if you play it offline, you couldn't play online with the offline save file, which which is additionally dumb. means you can't get achievements. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And um, the thing is, like normally I would not have a problem with this because it's easy just to play online games. However, their servers are a piece of crap and disconnect like every fifteen minutes or so. And what happens when you disconnect when in you, Hitman? <laughs> when you disconnect, it just instantaneously takes you back to the main menu. And how often would you say this happened over the course of each level? Oh, uh, okay. So the tutorial levels were fine, but when you got to the main level, it's like, oh, you climbed up a staircase. Oh, disconnected for some reason. Boot. Okay, now tell us, why. what feature did IO add to justify him being always online? The reason they justified this is an online leaderboard. They didn't want an unfair advantage for the person to get the top spot of a Hitman game. <laughs> So so what we're seeing here, beyond a shadow of a doubt, is a company that more values its leaderboard than putting out a functional game. I have never heard of a competitive Hitman player in my life. I mean, there totally is. They introduced it in Absolution with, um, like... There was a the contracts mode where you went back mm. and you tried to get the most creative kills and it's well, like this wasn't even that it no, was just the main game yeah it it makes sense that they're like sticking with the leaderboards but when your leaderboards are like making it so people can't play your game what what is that yeah like I'm I'm having a hard time like okay so it's online all the time so that way no one cheats yes or... so, so no one cheats the leaderboard yeah so okay because I think it, it's time based and if you get caught you're negated points if it's like uh, if you kill people who aren't your target it negates points etc cetera, etc cetera. well I guess my question is like why why do it that way there has to be another way to do that I mean like. Are, is the Hitman leaderboards that corrupted where they just immediately were like, you know what, we're just going to put this in before it even starts because the Hitman leaderboards... I mean, all leaderboards are. I, I, Fact yeah, is, I, all leaderboards absolutely. are that cheated. I remember getting on Call of Duty 4 and being like, I wonder where I am in the leaderboards, and you hop nope. up on there. I mean, go up to the top tower in Demon Souls, the very top of the tower, every single accoladed character is at maximum in every single one of those things. Mm-hmm. So, like, okay... I guess if you don't want to cheat the leaderboards, that makes sense. But, like, I just – I couldn't wrap my head around it. Like, yesterday we were walking back to my car, and I was like, this feature in a single-player game doesn't make sense to me. I could just not get around, like, why they did that at all. I, I just – I don't know. Exactly. And the worst thing about this was when you play it offline, 
you could beat the game, but it doesn't register that you completed it. Like, you had to be online to get, like, a ranking or unlock the next, like, set of mastery skills that you have to do. If you do it online, I mean, offline, you just kind of, you have to do it again. Is there yeah. something you unlock with the leaderboards, too? Like, is it just standing, or do you um, get things? There by, is like... a, there's a mastery sort of thing that is, I think... You get, instead of stars, it's like this weird like octopus emblem thing, mm-hmm. and you can get you basically unlock where you start. Diff, you start in different spots with a different disguise, and maybe you get like new starting weapons, okay. and that's it. There's like nothing truly spectacular. Nothing about this that feature. couldn't have been done without it. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. You could, yeah. That doesn't. There's make- there's no game in existence where you should where they're like. Yeah, we can't give you this item unless you're functionally online. Like, it's physically impossible for us to do that. And the mm-hmm. thing is, like, this game is, like, so wrapped around the idea of having, like, an online component to it. Because you have the contracts mode, which is online. If your servers go at every 15 minutes, you can't complete the damned level. Mm-hmm. Um there's a new feature. It's an escalation mode where every other week or so, there's a special NPC you don't you have to figure out on yourself that you have to like assassinate. And that's going to be like every other week or so. Which you have to be online to play that. <laughs> there's one thing we should talk about. It's the fact that when this game works, it's actually pretty okay. It's fun, but at its current like, state, it's that, unplayable. Yeah, because that feature sounds pretty awesome. Figuring out who you're there to kill. That's, yeah, that's that's yeah. really creative. No one can play it. No, <laughs> mm-hmm. and it's not the fact that I had bad connection. Every person has like been no, complaining yeah, it's, about it's this. It's a server side issue. Yeah. It's not the, I mean, obviously there are, if you you have this problem worse, if you have worse internet connection, like that's, you know, duh. But people who have gigabit internet are dealing with this same issue. Mm -hmm. That is unacceptable. And it blows my mind because like I was getting curious. I was looking at other people's reviews and nobody mentioned this and I was like, it's the best game ever. And I'm like, huh? Yeah. (laughs) And see, that's the thing that I'm really concerned about. I don't know. I we need to go look into this. Obviously, is yeah. when the review copies went out. Because if reviews copy, if review copies went out beforehand, that might be a little bit because they knew the servers wouldn't work. Because mm-hmm. every single non-reviewer I've seen talking about this game, which basically means everyone I know who absolutely did get the game after release has been talking about how it's unplayable. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And huge fans of the game, too. Like, I know, Dalton, you're a pretty big fan. Yeah. And then, like, um, Gavin Free from Rooster Teeth, like, high-profile high fans I who saw want he tweeted about it. He tweeted about it, like, eight times, just showing a picture and a video. He's every... like, I'm not the only one with this issue, right? And people are like, no, nah, it's not just you, man. Yeah, if you follow him on Xbox Live right now, all of his game clips are every time he gets kicked back to the main menu, he records a game clip. <laughs> There's like 40. Oh my goodness. Like how much I mean I I I have an idea in my head. How much of it is cuz I think about did they plan on having like the server space available or did they just not care? I really don't think they cared cuz I mean obviously I this is just me theorizing. They put the review ca- out early because I knew probably it wasn't going to work right. And counterpoint, they might just not be the best planners cuz they're making an episodic game right now. Yeah. Yeah. People have just seen that the first episode is the biggest broken piece of crap of all time. True. So I don't know what they're doing. Mm. Mm. 
Cause and it's usually, bad PR right out the gate. Like, yeah, because usually when you put out an episodic game, the first episode is super strong. Like, I hate episodic gaming right now. And that's the thing where, like, people were just mad that it was episodic in the first place, and now you're giving wait, these people wait, a justification. Wait, no, it's not, it's not episodic. It's an experience. In Don't chunks. give me that. <laughs> God, like, they call it episodes. There's a current name for exactly what they're doing. It's, it's an episodic game. It's literally called Hitman Episode 1 Paris. <laughs> but it's not episodic because that has the connotation of being of being bad, of having too long time between waits. Like, the game devs know at this point episodic means bad. Mm-hmm. It just does. Unless you're Telltale and, like, a few exceptions. But, I mean, they make quality stuff, but it's bad to consumers. Yeah. Yes. Like, that's what it means. It means I'm going to be mistreated. If I buy it early, I'm going to be charged more for less of an experience. And the thing interesting even about this is typically episodic games are five. Like, it's in layers of five. This Mm -hmm. is seven. There are seven episodes. Which basically means we're going to get the end of this game by, like, 2018. No, it's – they're trying to wrap it up by the end of the year. They even have, like, the full retail release is supposed to come out in January. I mean, props to them if they actually maintain a schedule because God knows Telltale can't. Yeah. And neither can Don't Nod, but whatever. Um, How, well, okay. This is what I'm thinking. Wasn't this game originally not planned to be episodic? No. Nope. No. It was so, going to be, you know, a real game. I figure that they'll probably maintain a schedule because it's already done. There's, I've, Which, I've, that's what I recommend. But at the same time, no, who wanted a Hitman game to yeah. not come out in a full <laughs> No block? one. Like, whoever said... You know, this game would be improved by me not being able to play all of it. It's one of those games that where you think about what, because I was we were talking about this yesterday. When I think of episodic games, I have an idea of what an episodic game is, and Hitman is not that game. It's serial and it's narrative. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's like because like an example of comics, they're technically episodic because you have to wait like weeks between them. Whereas Hitman, they're doing this a level at a time. Each episode, you get only one main level. Which, can we talk about the fact that there are apparently only seven levels in the game? If that's how the, the, the if that's what they're going off of. Because the first episode comes with two training prologue missions. Which, one of which you have to play twice? Uh, yeah. Um, it's padding. It's padding. <laughs> it just, it's, and it's very simplistic. Like, it's... I beat it in within like five minutes after explaining me the basic mechanics of how to sneak and how to take up disguises. And I'm like, okay. <laughs> now, when you bought it, was there something like highlighting the fact of like replay- replayability? Something like that where they're like, you could play, you know, this one mission a ton. You and- can play it a ton with these opportunities, but those are just, they hold your hand. And it kind of, those kind of take away from the experience overall, in my opinion. I had a similar reaction to when I got Ground Zeroes, Metal Gear Solid 5 Ground Zeroes, where. I played it and beat it in two hours, and I was like, that's it? But then everyone online was like, there's so much replayability. There's, I did that go, too. You, you can go back and play the mission again, and like, there's different things. But I'm like, yeah, but it's the same mission. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's different objectives, yeah, but it's the same map. It's the same mission, and I paid $30 to play it. It just may be daytime. <laughs> yeah, it's, oh, it's daytime and it's nighttime. The guard is over here now instead of here. Like, yeah, okay, you maybe added another hour maybe to me because I know that map so well. It it wasn't worth it. Like the replayability they were shoving in my face was just like smoke and fog, really. Like it's yeah, you can replay it. I know tons of people who play Ground Zeroes because like yeah, you could you can milk it for everything it's worth. But I don't, <laughs> I don't want ever to. Ever want to like? It's so rare that I want to milk a game for everything it's so, worth. So like instead of rescuing Chico, you rescue Kojima himself. <laughs> yeah. And yeah. The worst thing about that though was that 
and they carried this on to Metal Gear Solid Five. If you wanted the story, you had to replay it like eight times. You had to find the cassette tapes, which were spread out all over the place mm-hmm. and ugh. padding. It's just all padding, and that's the, that's the worst type of replayability is padding, like. Just shoving things in there so that way you're you 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 you're still contained to that one area. But oh look, there's collectibles. There's other things you can do mm-hmm. now. It's the, and it's just one area. And you know how much is it per episode? Or did you get? Uh, I think it's just. I think the base was like nine ninety nine or maybe nineteen ninety nine per episode. Uh, so we got the review copy for it. So I yeah, we well, price went out the gate. Because uh, I was gonna say Telltale's is usually five dollars or seven is usually per episode. And if it's nine dollars, let me look that up. And also, there might there's a form like there's already microtransactions to this game, <laughs> and it's like that it, the game's not even like fully released, and there's Wait, microtransactions. What? It's like it's like buying a special like platinum gun or a white suit. It's just, and I'm sure those work perfectly too. I guarantee they probably were like, "Yep, yeah, we got to make sure the microtransactions work." But the actual server for the game. You know, we'll mm. fix that later. We got more episodes to do for that. But you know, microtransaction—that's where the money is. Yeah. That, of course, it has microtransactions. I don't <laughs> even like. Part of me is like not surprised that it has microtransactions, but at the same time, I'm like, they couldn't hold off microtransactions even for this. I mean, you're already overcharging people <sighs> for a game, so I mean, why wouldn't you try to take more money? Oh my gosh, that's just—that's like imagining like if if Telltale had like an option to buy like. Big Lee Beast. is wearing a plaid yeah, suit. He's wearing a plaid suit, and then like you know, halfway through Lee's face disappears because they didn't you know finish the game properly. But you know, you got, he's wearing a new suit, so it's I like mean, you don't need to see his face. That's basically kind of what happened in Borderlands. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's just that's the same thing you see with like people complain about it all the time on like Steam with like the unfinished games have microtransactions that work perfectly right out the gate, and it's like it's so and people complain about it. I. I I don't know how big of a business that is anymore. I don't know if people are still playing a lot of those. I don't have a PC, so I don't know a lot about PC gaming. Okay. If people play a lot of those early access games with purchases, but... People do. People do? Guaranteed. That's disappointing. It. So the intro base game pack is fourteen ninety nine For the whole series? That No, that's just for the, the intro episode of for it, for, epi- for one episode. For, for two tutorials and one level. The experience is $60. So you're, so, p- you're paying like eight dollars uh, a see. level. So, if you buy the intro pack with the first level, it's fifteen dollars. But if you want to upgrade to the rest, it's fifty. Uh, that's oh. terrible. Yeah, you pay like five dollars more if you don't want to buy the full season pass. What a backwards! <laughs> they punish you for wanting to test out their crappy game. Yeah. yeah. What a that's, backwards system of like you know. I mean, that's not backwards. That's just perfect capitalism. I mean, the, if you don't buy like, in, it's only a five dollars. I mean, come on, guys. Yeah, it's only five dollars added on to the rest of the overpriced sixty dollars. Yeah, and the way I treat it right now, it's kind of like I'm. Ba- it's set at a beta test because you're not getting it because it's broken in a way. Yeah, essentially, I guess that's the way you could look at it. They're just beta testing it. I mean, we got lucky because we got a code, but. People bought a broken game. That's what we're looking at here right now. Mm-hmm. And somehow, th- you know, this isn't going to change anything because this happened a week ago. No one's talking about it anymore. Oh, here's the thing, because after I was kind of curious, like, are they like before I started looking in on their like uh, support page on uh, Twitter, and people were like talking, like trying to like get in contact, like, oh, talk to customer support. And then someone's like, is there any way to like get rid of this like online only like component? It's like we have no plans to remove that. 
<laughs> because just I, flat out the gate, like, nope, sorry, you got to deal with it. Like, why wouldn't you remove that? It's like if you have so many people complaining about that, you might mu- you want to appeal to the people who want to play this game. Yeah, like people want like see that's the big thing that's like to me the most offensive thing about this experience mm-hmm. is the fact that people still want to give IO the benefit of the doubt. They mm-hmm. want to enjoy this beloved series and this developer is just saying no. You mm-hmm. can't enjoy this. Same thing they're doing with Final Fantasy. Like no, you can't enjoy a full like well, you can't enjoy that because they're re-releasing a mediocre game. Yeah, and in episodes. Who? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but okay. the thing about so the we're guy. we're getting we're getting off to ep- to episodic things. I still want you and I to talk about uh, online experiences because oh. we've spent several episodes railing on episodic games. We don't need yeah. to go back to that. Okay. Like you right. and I personally, Jake, have spent at least an hour just talking about how crap episodic now i could see if this final fantasy uh has like a unnecessary online component attached to it which microtransactions one dollar for all of cloud's stupid hairs yep for his two outfits that he gets okay you know fifty dollars to save Aerith. so i'm gonna get i'm gonna get the bad taste of hitman out of my mouth with the slightly less terrible taste of the division's online single player Mm -hmm. so here's the thing I love The Division. I'm already suckered in the same way I was with Destiny. But if you read my review on it, there is a note at the bottom now that says, these servers are just so crap so often that I will be, I will experience lag in single player. That is not something that should ever happen. Yeah. There's no one else on. (laughs) It's just you. Yeah, see, here's the thing. Like, I get it. I get that you want to be always online, but you should limit that to when other players can be in my world because the way the way the division works is you have the mainland of Manhattan where you have all the missions you have the free roaming people can't randomly interact with you there they have to be invited into your world or join into your world manually in the dark zone you, it's it's a, it's multiplayer. It's a server. There are people wandering. I get it when I'm playing alone in the dark zone. I should experience lag. Mm-hmm. But I'm playing alone in a closed party. I should never experience lag. Especially, I should never experience lag bad enough that it glitches out enemy models to invisibility. That's the kind of crap I dealt with. And the amazing thing about that is I played the beta... And I didn't have that issue playing the beta itself. The servers were, were just okay. They were working less servers. What is it with Ubisoft and invisible models? Or like <laughs> missing parts of models? Yeah, but see, this is, this is different because it's not like a model didn't load in. It's an enemy was running at me. They dead froze. And then I was getting hit and repeatedly and then died while the enemy model was still way back there. Broken. <laughs> <laughs> but like, it's just... People need to figure out how, like, when online components are valuable. Mm -hmm. Because, like, I will praise Dark Zone all day, every day, even though I think it's way too hard and single-player people can't enjoy it. But the fact is, this is tainted by the fact that I know I might as well always be playing with people because I... I'm going to get the same crap as if I'm playing Everyone myself. else. I can't pop in and just play alone because I'm going to experience a crap experience. I might as well have friends there with me. Mm-hmm. I wonder if this, this, this issue stems from just developers seeing a trend 
and just trying to rush to it. I'm not saying they rushed because obviously Division took a while to come out. I think the Division was always intended to be this online thing. Yeah, I mean, because Division had um, at least an alpha build three years ago. Yeah, but even before, like, Division was a thing. Like, before people heard about Division, they I mean, heard about Destiny, they heard about Division. Because mm-hmm. I remember the Division's, like, first trailers that got mm-hmm. me hype. Mm-hmm. Um, but I wonder if, like, developers see this this trend and hop on it and then just don't implement it well. Because, I, I mean, like, the idea of always online has, I guess, some... I don't play a lot of these type of games, but I can see maybe some perks with that, like going with it. But it, it, not implementing it well mm-hmm. is so bad. I mean, it's a, it's almost eternally damning for it. It's like the fact that the first thing we saw with um, non-controller motion control was the Connect. It's like if you put a bad taste in the consumer's mouths by not putting out um, a prototype product that works perfectly. No one's going to buy in when that product does work perfectly. Mm-hmm. I think that's the way people have been reacting with VR recently. Yeah, I see so many people like angry about VR. Just and so many articles about like VR is never going to happen. You know, all this other stuff. And it's I mean, like most consumer VR, you know, the last decade. You know, most people think Virtual Boy. First off, <laughs> most people think Virtual Boy. Honestly, oh, Virtual Boy. And then True. most most consumer VR is just a gimmick. It really is. It, it was. It's you know. You put on some funny, goofy-looking glasses, and it's, uh, you know... See, the difference, though, about VR, I'd say, is the fact that, for one, like, um, look at Sony. Yeah. Sony people, like, not, pub, not like, uh, PR people, are saying about how excited Sony is to really put themselves behind this technology. Mm-hmm. Like, they know they're going to take losses on this technology in the time it takes for devs to get behind it, for the public to get behind it, but they are putting money into it. Mm -hmm. Like, this is something that's going to happen because people are really, because the people doing it really care. But the fact is, when Kinect came out, when PlayStation Move came out, they were so behind it. Mm -hmm. All they wanted was to make the Wii. Mm -hmm. They didn't want a good technology. Mm -hmm. And that's the difference. I worry somewhat about the PlayStation thing, just because... PlayStation re- VR? Yeah, VR. Just because recently I was reading that the PlayStation admitted that their technology was so far beyond, I mean, so far behind by and um, the Rift that they, you know, they said, you know, we, we're not up to that yet, but it's, it's you know, going to work fine. And, like, I understand, like, in terms of format wars, if people don't know about format wars, usually, like, the most expensive and the best technology that the best technology doesn't win the format war. It's the one that's the most useful to the consumer. So, like, beta was a much better format than VHS, but VHS was much easier for the consumer to get a hold of, so they used it. Now, how much is, like, Sony's VR? Isn't it about the same price as the... No, it's um about $100 less, but that's not counting the fact that you need the PlayStation camera that costs about $60 more. Mm-hmm. I still think that probably will get into the homes faster, because... I, and I, I'm o- I'm okay with that. Yeah, I'm okay no, with no, that. Completely. I'm okay with that for one for two major reasons. One, the fact that Sony has expressed the fact that they're willing to lose money on this. Mm-hmm. Two, the fact that Sony is the only d- person making VR right now that is going to have in-house game developers making content for the VR that they are creating. So that means places like Naughty Dog 
undoubtedly are already learning how to program games for sp- specifically PlayStation VR, as opposed to stuff like Oculus, where it's just like they're hoping third-party developers will start making games just for so it. many mm-hmm. demos, but nothing that's, like, solid. Exactly. Like, yeah. even though you have great stuff like uh, Keep Talking and Nobody Explodes, the fact is it t- there's not going to be tri- that many AAA developers willing to take that major risk on it, mm-hmm. but Sony developers are going to be made to take that risk. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And even then, like, Microsoft has their HoloLens thing. HoloLens even... looks so dope. I'm I'm about it. But from what I've seen so far, what they're, like, trying to use for it, I'm just like, oh, you're already shooting in the foot before it even gets off the ground. How do you mean? I mean, because if you saw, did you see the uh, demo trailer for Young Conquer? No. Right out the gate. One, you used a franchise that's beloved for, like, different reasons, and you made it, like, a teeny, like... They made Conquer, who's no. Oh yeah, they made him plushy. Yeah, they made him plushy, and it's just kind of he runs on walls. He it's a platformer that's all around, but there's like no main game to it. I mean, it's clearly a tech demo. It's a tech. That, demo, that's the yeah. thing, and people always expect a final product mm-hmm. when thing when they get things, and the fact is. This is magic. <laughs> this yeah. is this is basically 20 years ago. This is something they predicted would happen 100 years from now. Yes. And that's the thing where like nowadays people have such an a, like a short attention span, you have to get them in right off the bat. If you don't, they're just going to go on to the next thing. I mean, the example I like to use is uh 3D TV. Oh yeah. That was the next big thing, but it never picked up. 3D has always been the dumbest thing though. Yes. Mhm. And like, people are like, it's the next big thing. Everyone's going to want one of these. And then people are like, nope. Well, so, no, because do you know what people have always wanted when they want 3D? VR. They want HoloLens. Oh, HoloLens yeah. yeah. <laughs> Something around me. Not I'm wearing glasses. And it kind of just gets closer to your yeah, face. Not not where the, the full extent is, woo, me but, reaching out. Yeah. But I, I honestly think augmented reality has a better chance of being like the technology of the future than uh, virtual reality does. Like you said, it's going to take a lot of time to get people adjusted to it because there's going to be the slow, there's going to be the early adopters who are going to fall in love with it, and there's going to be the people who are skeptical about it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Tying this all back to what we were just discussing before, what you were talking about, Sony's like passion for it. Yes, I feel like that's a good sign that they are taking this seriously. Yeah, absolutely. Versus going back to like <laughs> games and whatnot that have these components that just they they're they're just put in there that just don't work. Like you can tell almost immediately when when something is like that that doesn't fit. And we what what game were you talking about um, had, that had multiplayer at the very start? Uh, yeah, Bioshock Two. Bioshock Two. Something like that where it's just like, why was that put in there? You know, like and I know for the time it was probably because there's a lot of multiplayer games out. Um, yeah, want to be the it, next Call of Duty. See here, see here's the thing. Mm-hmm. We started talking about this beforehand, and then we immediately started recording. Mm-hmm. I love Bioshock 2's multiplayer. It has no reason to have ever been pitched. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, I'll absolutely say that. Like, there is no reason that anyone involved in the creation of Bioshock 2 should have thought, this should have a multiplayer. It's just a freaking miracle that it turned out good. Mm-hmm. It, it's kind of, it just feels like, and I, I, I've heard a lot of people liked it, but it feels like, you know there was a list of things that they have to have in the game. like Because mm-hmm. every game has it at this point. And I wonder if going forward in the future, if this always online thing is going to be the thing that's on the checklist. Or what... Well, always online is the newest form of DRM that we're seeing a whole lot of. Mm-hmm. Which I 
get why developers want that. But at the same time, I think if developers aren't stupid and pay attention to the culture, they understand that every single time new DRM happens, it breaks games, people get pissed, and there are still people who refuse to play Diablo 3. Mm-hmm. And here's the thing. We touched on this a few uh, podcasts back is when those servers go out, you can't play the game. Like yeah. when hit when the Hitman mm-hmm. servers are gone, it's just bricked. Which I mean, let's be honest, that might be for the best. <laughs> for the <laughs> maybe they fix the I'd servers. Always, who it's knows? always the companies that is it's the EAs, it's the Ubisofts that I see pushing for it so hard in terms of this DRM stuff because because it's, it's a business decision. It's yeah. a business decision, but it's like those companies, like the bigger companies, are the ones that are you know DRM super afraid about DRM and stuff, and like. I know smaller companies like know certain things are going to happen. Their games will get pirated or whatnot. But I, I, I feel like just because they're just not withholding things or like making you go through hoops to get to their games, I'm more likely to go through you know, you know, Steam to get like an indie game versus Origin to get an EA game just because they want to make sure that I'm not you know. Well, I mean, let's just talk about let's just talk about what DRM fundamentally means on the consumer end. When a developer inputs DRM, which is fundamentally a wall between the fair consumer and the game, mm-hmm. just as much just as much as it is a wall between the pirate and the game, yeah. what they are saying is that they are more concerned about copies not being stolen than legitimate copies being played. Mm-hmm. That's what shows most of all that this is a business decision rather than a decision made to protect like their license. It's the fact that like once the copy has been purchased, they don't care. Mm-hmm. It's what we're seeing with Hitman. Mm-hmm. Like, as soon as it's in our hands, cool. You got it. I don't. I have nothing to gain from this anymore because you're not pirating it, or you're not going to pirate it. So I mean, unless there's you know. microtransactions, and then you miraculously see tremendous upkeep on the developer yes. side mm-hmm. or the publisher side, I should say. Mm-hmm. It's the going back because you said it was all like trends, including online. Is I noticed that. People are more focusing on online components than single player because online keeps the players coming back. And which that's companies in, now are not even keeping track of sales data; they're keeping retention rates. Yeah, which see that's something I'm really interested in because I was about to say earlier when Jake was saying like there's a checklist of things people need to put on. We're starting to see companies go in the exact opposite direction where they're like, I need to strip out everything that's not perfect, mm-hmm. that's not necessary, and then. That fact that we're starting to look more at retention rates than sales and upkeep of multiplayer um, multiplayer communities, to me that shows more of a care towards the consumer because that means when you see a company keep up with the multiplayer community, keep adding new content, make sure the community's happy, that means that they you know give a crap about the community and not the fact that they bought the game. Yeah, because like it's much harder to keep up with a community that wants to keep playing a game than people who spent the same amount of money on a game that they played eight hours in and, and dropped. Mm-hmm. Like, the one game that keeps me coming back is Halo 5. Is really? they, made, they made the decision to... All the DLC is free except, like, the rec packs, which you can earn those in-game anyway. But Weren't you yeah. very lukewarm about that game? Uh, I was lukewarm with the story. The multiplayer, I loved. Okay. And the thing is, like, there's constant, like... There's always they always include new weapons and stuff that shake up like the power balance of things. Um, I appreciate that. And uh, I mean, besides like new cosmetic stuff, they like there's always at least three variations of a different gun. Um, new maps, those are free right out the gate. 
Um, and they're always like taking in community feedback to improve mm-hmm. upon it. And I mean, if they honestly wanted to, like, sorry, this is how it is. Having that that feedback with the community is oh, it's always a good sign for me that like, okay, I can trust that this that they care enough about my online experience rather than they gave me an online experience and then just hands off walked away, just assuming that you know the servers are running and then when they don't run, you know, what are we gonna do? Yeah, I agree. There is one downside to this and. The downside peop- to the like just an extreme focus okay. is after halo 5 was released all attention to the halo uh, the halo uh, master chief collection disappeared um excuse you they stopped paying attention to master chief collection no, even months then, before like, that <laughs> there was like maybe five people like looking at this now there's like none <laughs> I mean, I guess people are like, it's still broken. Any chance you're gonna fix it? You promise? They gave what? up. On, they gave what up on game? fixing it like six months before Halo Five came out. Yeah, and so basically, it's like a game that doesn't work. <laughs> yeah, they just abandoned it. That's like, frustrating because I would totally like to go back and play some Halo Three multiplayer. No, 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 no. It's good in private matches still. It is yeah. matchmaking oh, okay. is what has always been bad in Halo Master Chief Collection. Private matches work perfectly and campaign are the shining. See, I, I mean, campaign works wonderfully, except for Halo Two, which they absolutely should have taken out the Iron Skull on Legendary just as a thing to make that game better. <laughs> but still, I mean, yeah. Even if I didn't have like the the uh, the online matchmaking, at mm-hmm. least the story of Halo would keep me back. The single player would take, keep, help me like come back because at least that's there. That's something I always I, like don't like when I see like no single player, just completely removed. I like it there, you know. I like it because I will spend time with a single player when I don't want to play multiplayer. Sometimes I'll admit when I had Call of Duty Four, and I always talk about Call of Duty Four because it's the multiplayer game that sticks in my mind. When I would suck at multiplayer matches and get mad, I just hop into single player and play a couple rounds in that. I would not just leave the game, which is what I would probably do now. I would just like leave the game. At least that single player kept me around, you know. When the multiplayer got me mad. See, I don't know, because like um. I'll sing praises of Titanfall until the end of time. Mm-hmm. Mm. Like, fact is for me, I am so appreciative of the fact that like everything about Titanfall is if we can't make it perfect, we're not going to make it. Like there were, at launch, there were I think ten maps. Only one of them was objectively bad, and that's just because it was it strayed from the formula that they were doing on the, all the other ones and it just happened to not work because it's not the kind of map that other places have made either mm-hmm. there were like eight super all of the weapons were incredibly functional all of the mechs were incredibly functional basically everything was so fine-tuned and i appreciate that because that's all they spent time on and if you spent and if you cut out single player and then your multiplayer has basically anything wrong with it you're crap mm-hmm. but didn't it have single player too no. It was all, all, all multiplayer. All 100% multiplayer. It didn't multiplayer. have any single nope. player component. I mean, technically it had a defense mode added in later that you could not do solo. Huh. Fr- I yeah, fr- I front, Frontier sure. Defense was added in. Was there a story mode that you could play with other people? Yes. Yes, that's okay. what it is. Was it, was, it not good? The story mm. was implemented in the multiplayer. I Yeah, the story was a playlist of multiplayer maps that required you win, mm. your team win, which... I like both the way they did that. Like, I think it, there were some fine-tuning elements that could have been done better. But I did actually enjoy the story of Titanfall as much as I was able to pick up over the sounds of, you know, a multiplayer match. 
Hmm. Anyone remember that horrible Bethesda game Rift, or what was that called? It was called Brink. Brink, Brink. yeah, yeah Brink—the free running game. <laughs> I know. I, as yeah. I saw it in your eyes. I heard Beth, and I was like, Brink, Brink, <laughs> kind of like that. But at least I think you still could play it, and there was still a player base long, way longer than what Brink ever had. Yeah, there's still a player base on PC Titanfall. Brink. I still, I still go in every <laughs> once in a while. Brink was a ghost town two months after launch. It's mm-hmm. awful, and people are hyping it up. It looks good, so cool, though. but then it just ah, uh, yeah, awful. You could tell they did not really think that one through. You can you can basically tell if it's not Call of Duty and all it's putting out is live action trailers, it's not good. Nope, live action trailers have become like a death sentence for me. Well, to me, live action, tra- like trailers for games, should fundamentally only show me this is what this game is about. This is what you will probably be able to do if you're if you're good enough in this game. That's what I want to see in a trailer. I more often want to get a freaking demo, which mm-hmm. what happened to demos? We can, we can talk about that in a sec, yeah. but you don't get that at all from a live action thing. Mm-hmm. Like live action trailers tell me nothing about the game. I almost dislike pre-rendered trailers even more than live action trailers because pre-rendered trailers to me before every cuz I remember when the PS3 was announced and they had a bunch of trailers for like games and the pre-rendered trailer for Killzone was it three or two? Killzone two came out. I remember probably three because three was a disappointment. I remember two. It was. It was I think it was Killzone two. Uh-huh. But I, not really labeled a pre-rendered trailer. It, it when they didn't label them as pre-rendered, it put this idea in their head like, oh, this is what the game looks like. And I just remember all the time on mm-hmm. Hexplay, no. they would have like a comparison of like what the pre-rendered trailer looked like versus what you know the actual gameplay on day one looked like, and it never was the same. I think about that with uh, Fable. Oh, yeah, Fable's notorious for that. Mm-hmm. Especially Fable 3. Oh, that piece of garbage. <laughs> you know, I'm going to rescind my statement a little bit. You're allowed, like, one pre-rendered trailer or, like, one live-action trailer to give me the tone of your game. I think the pre-rendered trailer should just be, like, a story-based thing or something. And then, like, the live-action... I like the live action trailers for the Halo. Oh, the Halo Five! I hate it because none of that was like that didn't matter. The that, that had nothing to do that with the story. Didn't even happen. Like, um, Hunt the Truth, that podcast thing. They had this super deep story going on in both the advertising and in this podcast, this serial style podcast. And then they were just like, "Yeah, Master Chief and uh, is still a good guy. There's nothing. No one thinks anything is wrong at all. Oni's not covering up anything." The reason I hated the storyline for that game is it hyped this up that oh. Chief's gone rogue, and he's like, no, he didn't. He just well, disappeared for a bit. Well, see, the difference is, like, all of those trailers were shown from Oni's perspective. Like, mm-hmm. they would be the ones putting out the Chief's gone rogue thing. So I thought, like, and a bunch of other people, and based on the Hunt for the Truth podcast, everyone reasonably thought that this meant that Oni was basically trying to cover up what Chief was doing so that they could put him down for going rogue and no one would have a problem with it. Not but then thing. they were just like... Yeah, Chief's, Chief's still a good guy. The, the E3 <laughs> announcement where he's like in the desert by himself with a robe. That never happens. <laughs> yeah, I that and then the thing that comes up at the end, the Guardian, that like that happens in the actual game. It happens in the game, but they have but like in, minimal like And nothing it has point. nothing to do with that trailer. <laughs> what is this thing? Oh, it's just a John EMP bomb. <laughs> like basically all they did in that trailer was show, Oh, what is this? Oh, I guess it's Halo. Oh, I guess this thing's in the game. <laughs> Halo does have good trailers, though. It I, does. I remember Halo 3 trailers. Like, I remember the one with, like, the little models. Starry Night. Starry, Starry Night, Night is mm-hmm. the, one of the best trailers of all time. Mm-hmm. And I actually, like, because that one was live action. Yeah. 
that actually um it, what changed my mind about it about live action or pre-rendered trailers was thinking about the Starry Night trailer for Halo Three, and then the trailer for the Division that uh sh- that was the aftermath of the dollar flu hitting, but it didn't show any people. Because the whole point was about how after the after the cameras are gone, people seem invisible in a tragedy. Hmm. Like it it was really good, and it was like the whole trailer was basically it showed insides inside of one apartment, and it showed uh, the imprint of a girl sick in bed, and slowly like the blanket, and at the very end the blanket goes down because the girl's dead and gone. It shows um uh things being moved around food slowly disappearing the door being boarded up and shot through and boarded up again and ultimately one of the people killing themselves but you just see the blood splatter on the wall happen Mm -hmm. and it's just like and then it has this incredible punchline at the end where this this guy stumbles out onto the street at while he's being mugged by the rioters and He's suddenly visible because the division agents have arrived, and it's like they're there to see the tragedy that's happening and fix it. And it's just like that was a really cool tone trailer that they mm-hmm. made. And it's like that kind of sold me, not because I think, oh, the gameplay is going to be like this. It's going to be all dark and tragic. Mm-hmm. It's like they did sell me on a tone of this new New York, and that's valuable to me. Dead Dead Island sold me on a tone with its trailer, but it lied. But it lied <laughs> because that was that had mm-hmm. that, <laughs> that had oh. nothing to do with it. It, I mean, no. like, immediately starts out, I was like, you know, maybe this will be an emotional game, and then it's straight up like, who do your voodoo? That's what I was about to say. <laughs> it's, like, it's like, people, there were, like, one of the things was uh, Jeff from uh, Achievement Hunter yep. could not watch it because it was so sad, because he's like, as a parent, it was- As a parent of a girl this age, I can't watch this girl die. And then he said, like, he opened it like, who do your voodoo? And I'm like, what? <laughs> Yeah, like this was not they the tone. Sold me on something. I don't know. I don't get the point of that. Like, why would you sell a tone that you're not going to follow through on? I wonder what? if that was originally the tone, and then they were just like, you know eh. what, this needs voodoo rappers. Yeah, you know what, this we we don't want to make it. This doesn't scream franchise to me, or something like that. That's the only thing. I would have bought Dead Island if it. I, I mean, I would have bought it on launch. I bought it for three dollars during a Steam sale. Mm-hmm. I would have bought it in a real way if that had been the tone of the game, because. The tone they sold got me. And see, the thing is, everyone thinks they have to be all dark and gritty to, to like, get people's attention. If they had made a trailer that was actually funny, actually, like, that dark humor that the game tried to be, that would have grabbed me just as much. The fact that people are just afraid of doing, you know, selling their product for real, I guess? Uh Uh-huh. I think if I remember, like, I I don't know, because I can't, like, pull anything around my head, but I think, didn't Left 4 Dead 2 kind of have, like, like it was like, goofy because even that whole game was just kind of goofy and it's a zombie apocalypse that mm-hmm. looks great, yeah, and but it, and it kept it it kept it kind of goofy <laughs> in all the trailers. Well, yeah, because the main trailer that they, that basically every um, Valve game releases is the opening cinematic. Mm-hmm. The opening cinematic to that is freaking hysterical. <laughs> like, I wish these stairs were made of chocolate. Yeah, like that's <laughs> his. Like it's so funny. Like, and it's just like. You know what games sell really well? Valve games. Maybe because they're actually selling the product they're selling. Mm-hmm. But not like your typical Call of Duty is like, the world's over, the robots have taken over, everyone's dead except me. But even like but the Call of Duty fans it. know what they're getting with that, and they, yeah. they, that's the tone that the Call of Duty goes for, and they 
They know it. It's not like they're trying to. It, the, See, you crap on it. I still like Black Ops Three story so much. Okay, I can appreciate it, but like as a base player who does it, like if you go in like not wanting to overanalyze it, you're gonna hate that game. Yeah, yeah. You don't play a Black Ops game. Well, Black Ops One or Three. You don't play Black Ops One or Three without wanting to analyze it. Yeah, true. Black Ops Two was just kind of like, wait, what did we do right? <laughs> and then th- what three do you mean kind future. Of- Three kind of brought it back to the way one was, which yeah. I really appreciate. It blows your mind when you put the pieces together. I'm mm-hmm. like, what? Yeah, I I really liked it. the uh, The scene in World War Two in Black Ops Three was one of the best video game levels of all time. Mm-hmm. You did that. I want to play that now because I I did not know there was a World it's War Two really level. It's a really like mind hey. messing with hey. type thing. Rent an Xbox One controller. Come over. We'll co-op that crap. Okay, I would like to play. I've been wanting to play a World War II game for the longest time. And there's I'm just not. there's only one level that takes place in a digitized World War II. I will. The best will thing about it. that level, it goes from World War II to somehow implementing zombies at the end of it. It's... Which no, I I appreciate. I liked that because it was kind of like the corrupting thing. Yeah. It was kind of like, oh yeah, this is a video game and this is digital and all that. <laughs> the best part of that was the direwolves, which were like so unrealistic. It made no be- sense. No, no, it made so much sense. <laughs> but it was interesting. It, it was, was so cool. unrealistic because it was just how Sarah Hall imagined that battle. So cool. I love that. <laughs> and the direwolves came. What? <laughs> well, I mean, isn't that's a real that's a real battle? Yeah, that happened, mm-hmm. and like the wolves did come, <laughs> and it was just like. But they weren't huge and falling from the sky. <laughs> yeah. Oh my god, I- I'm gonna go home and play that now. <sighs> Man, I wish I would have kept up with Call of Duty. <laughs> it has well, its mean, moments. Really, really, Treyarch's the only one that you need to still be paying attention to. Actually, I'll take that back. I loved Advanced Warfare. I'm kind of cute because I just don't like mess. Infinity War. Infinity Ward. Yeah. Infinity Ward isn't good anymore. No, I think Sledgehammer mainly does that stuff now. What does Infinity War do? Are they just mainly Infinity just Ward was now? Modern Warfare and, and two. no, no. And three I mean, like, what do they do now? Oh, this. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're still. There's like three. Studios. Call of Duty. Call of Duty is now on a three-year cycle where each developer gets three years to make their games. This year is an Infinity Ward title, and they made Ghosts and they made all of the Modern Warfare games. I didn't like Ghosts, so Ghosts I... was not that good. Hmm. Kind of poo-poo. Has Call of Duty gone down in terms of sales? Mm. Or, or, no. Has there been any kind of fatigue? No. I think the only one that's shown fatigue was Advanced Warfare, maybe? that's that. I wouldn't say fatigue. I would say wariness of a new developer. Yeah. And then I would. I think it only had lower sales at start. I think it caught up. But everyone knew Black Ops. So like, that's a brand name unto itself is people want that. So, so here's the thing. I Call of Duty is constantly more and more people are starting to play video games, and Call of Duty is the game that more and more people are starting to play. Mm-hmm. Okay, I was about to ask, like, why do you think that it hasn't gone down? Because with like you see it with like Assassin's Creed, and I can argue like. Do that, you those... see fatigue with Madden though? Because it's know. got its fan base. It's got it's, got its, its fan, fan base, base that want to keep playing that one. Game. I feel like updated. that the Madden thing though comes from the fact that you can't play another type of of football game. Yeah. You can only play Madden. You can't play another game that's Call of Duty though. You can play other shooters. You can play other shooters, but none of them are Call but, of Duty. But, <laughs> but, but you have that option to play another so shooter. Different. You could you could play, you know. I can play another. There are like 10 crappy other football games I could play, but none of them play like Madden. That's well, why none of them I have the teams. Madden. You can't play any other. Yeah, but who cares about that? I feel like that's like you wouldn't play. I don't think people would play a basketball game unless it had like certain like NBA, you know, players or, you know. When's the last time you saw an arcade uh, sports game with just like. Dude, they come out all the time. They're just low profile. I would say, well, we're talking like on the same level of like a series. That doesn't happen because it's a risk. People know Madden sells. 
people don't know if NFL well, I, Street's going to sell I think Madden sells again. is because yeah. it's it's the only one there. You know, it's if it's the only thing there and you like football, you have no choice but to buy a Madden game. Like I said, even FIFA, like there's like I think at least two other soccer games, but people want FIFA because it's FIFA. people want FIFA because FIFA does FIFA. P- FIFA plays well, the other, like FIFA. The Call other, of Duty plays like Call of Duty. The other option is to pay Konami. Um, <laughs> yeah, and I never want to P- do yeah. that. So <laughs> you don't have a, that great of an option there. I know. I'm I'm just saying the reason Call of Duty sells so well isn't isn't the fact that it's somehow better than all these other shooters. It's that what Call of Duty is is easier to digest. The yeah. way it is as a shooter makes the most sense to play out of all the other shooters. Also, to come to Call of Duty and bring this thing full circle. Do it. Uh, Call of Duty has single player. It has leaderboards for single player, but it's not always online. Yeah, that's true. True. Honestly, because I don't think they really care about leaderboards because if you go back to any other like Call of Duty leaderboard, it's jacked up. Yeah, Yeah, the only leaderboard that has ever mattered is Mile High Club. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yep. I, yeah, I guess they they know what works, and I, that's another thing. I guess that, that I don't see that much fatigue about Call of Duty because I mean, they know like what minor works. Minor variations, and yeah. that's why people are like it doesn't change. I'm like that's a good thing you'd think. I think there's things that change about. I'm like I, I it makes small variations towards a positive trend, which yes. I appreciate. But then you have games like to bring it back to Hitman. They just keep being like, we don't know what we did the first few times. Let's just try everything. It's like they're trying everything possible to get away from like the thing that people like, which is blood money. You talk See, to you just like blood money a whole lot. I think if the wait, general... blood money was two. No, blood money was its own game. What was two? Silent Assassin. Yeah, people like two, don't they? No, people like people blood love mo- blood money. Blood okay. money. Uh, the thing was. It's interesting because people wanted blood money because they hated the linear experience of Absolution. Their solution to this was, oh, we're going to have the sandbox mode that people love, but we're going to keep like we're gonna the gameplay linear linear anyway. And I'm like, yeah. you, it's, it's still linear. It's like you can't just have a sandbox experience that there you can w- explore, but you have to do things a certain way. Well, I mean, looking at the opportunities system, it's mm-hmm. so fundamentally clear to me that they are more worried about turning off new players than doing right by the old ones. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Because, like, you know what? I appreciate the opportunities in Hitman because I don't play Hitman. Yeah. You know why I don't play Hitman? Just because I don't like the Hitman games. Mm-hmm. You know who does like the Hitman games? Hitman fans. Fans of Hitman. Yeah. I think people love Blood Money because it was so it was a random experience. Like, yeah, people had like it was still programmed to do certain things. But the thing is, even in now, like I said, the one gripe I had was the AI system is so stupid because it's stuck in a loop. Like, unless you do an opportunity, this same person's going to be walking down the same hallway, mm-hmm. stopping at the bar at this exact same time, and that loop will only stop if you do an opportunity, where it's like, I got to walk to this person now. Which, I mean, like, I don't know, that's not good at this point. Like, you look at, I think Dishonored did a good job with the AI, where people, like, guards had jobs where they had to be in specific places Mm -hmm. but it wasn't like i'm gonna walk over here stand here for 23 seconds then walk back the other way stand there for 23 like there was a little bit of chaos to it and you look at stuff like alien isolation which i'm playing right now the ai in that game are smarter than i am it's unpredictable like Like, these people act like people and that's Mm -hmm. the strongest thing to make this like a good stealth experience not the fact that it's a puzzle game where i can just be like yeah, he's 
That guy's gonna. You shouldn't be able to play a stealth game with your eyes closed. Like even with the alien like system, like I haven't gotten to the xenomorph. I still have only seen its tail. All right. So the thing about this is, like even in then you can like hide through like vents and stuff. It if it, if it remotely even thinks that it saw you going into a vent, it will follow you. Well, I mean, not even just if it thinks it saw you. It's like, well, it is searching an environment for things to kill. It will check hiding spots. Yes, it, but the thing is, the dumbest thing about Hitman was, like I said, at one time, I threw a clock at someone's head by accident, and it only registered the fact that the clock hit the ground. It's like, that made a sound. It didn't make sound hitting his head. <laughs> no, it just hit the floor. And he was like, I'm confused. What just happened? Why is that Wait, on the floor? Wait, he was confused? Yeah, like, even though he saw me throw the clock directly at this dude's head, he was just like, huh. Wait, wait. Okay. Pronouns here. The guy who got hit in the face with the clock was yes. confused by was the con- fact that he was hit in the face with the clock, that he saw <laughs> you throw, but the part that confused him was when it hit the ground. It hit the ground and it registers a sound because there's like a, if you throw something in the ground, I'm like, what's that, huh? <laughs> it didn't register the fact that I assaulted him with a clock. God, that's hysterical. And another thing is, I also touched this in my review was... If you, like, dress up in a certain, like, disguise, you can blend in with other people, but the heads, like, if you dress as a security officer, the head security officer knows that you're not working there, so it registers that. So if he, like, gl- glances at you, like, wait, I don't recognize you, stop. But if you run away and hide in a separate room, he investigates by walking down a hallway, turning back around, and like, huh, guess it wasn't a thing. That's terrible. Not yeah. even checking the side doors. It's just like, ooh, this hall. That's I'm, it. I'm, well, that actually has always been one of my big problems with Hitman is, like, when I kill the chef of a family and take his clothes, that family knows that chef. They yeah. should be put like off guard. Like, the guards. targets recognize, like, they won't recognize you. One thing that's always, like, bummed me, and it, like, stuck out to me is, like, when you change disguises, the barcode is still visible in the back of this your head. This is still a scary, bald man with a yeah. barcode on now, his head. Now, the exception to this, and it's, like, the ultimate disguise is you can, like, kill a sheik and take his disguise who no one has ever seen his face before. So I find it hilarious that you got this, like, gruff white guy dressed in, like, Arabic clothing, and they think, oh, yeah, he's a Saudi prince. They should just add in a feature where someone who's actually Middle Eastern just stabs you for being a racist prick dressing up Mm -hmm. like them. (laughs) It's like, going back to something real quick, it's like the Hitman series, you can look at it in comparison to Call of Duty, where Call of Duty makes small changes but keeps the base formula the, the same. The stuff they know people like. The stuff they know people like the same. Where Hitman does not seem to know what people like and just, you know, is it just changes things. I think the biggest change Call of Duty has made the past year was the fact that it added, like, the exosuit and, like, the boost jump. That's the only huge variation that's happened these past, like, even five years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that was, that was, like, a trend that was going, like, I remember seeing that kind of like movement did it and well, no, like, no, the, the changes they've been making prior to that were really much more mechanical changes than universe changes like the way killstreaks work has been tinkered with over the course of the last like five games mm-hmm. and they're slowly honing in on what is probably the best possible killstreak in any game ever yeah. what is that I mean, just like... Oh, you're talking about just theoretically the best Like, kill they streak. are probably getting close to what is going to be the most functional killstreak thing because they've okay. tried... Um, kill everyone's kill streaks always count even after death like you'll get it eventually mm-hmm. they've tried systems where it's like depending on what kind of kill streak you have it's going to be different ways you earn it they've tried systems where you get was points. it modern warfare 3 where there were like modern three warfare variations three, three different kinds and it was and like I the best the best ones were the ones it. that had to be consecutive well, no assault ones assault ones those were the offensive best ones. offensive ones yeah. that were automatically they were going to get you kills mm-hmm. you had to get in one life 
and then there was a different tier that defensive ob- the objective based things got you those points in addition to kills and then there was a different tier that all points even after death still kept adding up mm-hmm. i loved that system because it let you put different values on different things so the basic stuff has stayed the same but they made minor changes and they Mm-hmm. Work or, or and they keep changing the way you move, the way you shoot, stuff like that. Yeah. Tinkering with it. That's I feel like that's that's a sign of progress. Like you you can chart like the difference because I guarantee you, you go back play Call of Duty Four Modern Warfare and you play like the newest one. I'm I bet I could like get a hold of it, but I know that there'd be differences to the game. But like not multiplayer of four is still probably the best though. I do like multiplayer four. It's, it's a problem um, that like nostalgia can't be beat there. See, I, I loved Modern Warfare Two, and that's where I think that's where I really jumped into that franchise. And the one thing that peeves me off is like the people are like, "Why do you keep playing Call of Duty? It's the same." And I'm like, "No, because it's still good. It's good. It's good." But they it make changes. Change, they make subtle changes that makes it better. And it's like not every game is a base carbon people, copy. People assume, and like you get this with all types of media. Like when you make something, they either want something drastically different, or you know, something to remain the same. Instead of taking that base that you know worked. And tweaking it and, like, you know, trying new things because that's totally – you can make – the best art comes from, like, you taking something that you know and then, like, you messing with it a little bit and seeing what works, seeing what doesn't work because, you know, if you just remain the same, it just becomes stale and boring. And if you go completely the other way, you lose fans. You, you negate, like, anybody who enjoyed that, that one thing that was in your game that people liked. And then, you know, you're, you're, you're screwed. If you keep going down the path of, like, a Call of Duty – and like having that base there, and then just adding things, and you know, experimenting a little bit, you know, mm-hmm. trying things, then it works better, and then you have something that doesn't get stale. I think the only thing I could say that like with that argument is the Assassin's Creed, because like, as much as people hate trailing missions, that is still the base like chunk content of Assassin's Creed. Yeah, and they games. refuse to take it out though. No. Mm-hmm. Whereas like if you play a single player mission, you could argue like, oh, you're still shooting people, but in like Black Ops Three, they make the changes of well. You have custom classes now in there. Uh, there's different enemies. Uh, robots act differently than humans. The just the uh, augmentations in Black Ops Three is Black Ops Three has been the biggest change out of any of the Call of Duty titles in the past. Yeah, 10 like years. Black Ops Two implemented like different uh, story paths. Did it really, though? Like, to an extent. Like, if you accidentally do this thing, it's going to do this thing. There was one mission that confused me because it was time-based. You had to rescue the, like, woman hacker. And yep. if you didn't do it, like, you didn't get the good, perfect ending. Mm-hmm. Hmm. But, yeah. So, yeah, the, the progress you can see, like, the, the, that's good changes down there because at least it's still there. You have that, that core thing. Because, I mean, like, I know... I bet I could recommend Call of Duty to anybody, and there's if you know anything about Call of Duty, you could jump in and play it. Yeah. That's, no. that's no. I know people who just can't play Call of Duty, don't like it, can't deal with it. Can't, well, I mean, just well, like base can't, can't even work it. Well, people interested in like the shooter genre can yeah. just easily pick it up. Easily and, pick it up and whatnot. It's because um, Call of Duty is the new base shooter. It's yeah. like yeah. Goldeneye from twenty years ago. If you people haven't played... want to take Call of Duty off its like pedestal, but, but they, they can't. don't. <laughs> they don't see why Call of Duty works so well. It's you know, mm-hmm. there's there, there's something there. It's not just this fluke that like oh they just keep putting a, a game out every year. Well, yeah, they're putting out this this base game that's really good, but they're also like tweaking it and making it different. And yeah, see, I wanted to say if they were if they started making a crap game, people wouldn't still be buying it. But then you know, Assassin's Creed Unity came out, and people are still buying Assassin's Creed games. So I I don't know. I feel well, yeah. I think people get it. Like I think the fatigue in sets the in with Assassin's Creed because yes, they have this base, but they've done nothing to improve it, and really, it's shown its wear over time. 
No, they just improve it every other every other game. Yeah, because you have Black Flag with the boat. Everyone no, like everyone liked the boat. One, one was bad. The whole two series is awesome. Three was bad. Four was awesome. I love Black Unity Flag. was bad. Syndicate is awesome. Well, when, yeah, when you have seven seven main games or so, and like you can argue two of them or three of them were really good, it doesn't matter. Five I don't of them think. were really good. The thing I think with five all, of them? All three Ezio games. All three Ezio. I'm talking like mainline games. So like you don't, are you counting Brotherhood? And, I, count, I count Brotherhood and Revelations as all part of two. Yeah. Okay, so – because then you have actual side story games like Assassin's Creed Rogue and Assassin's mm. Creed Chronicles China. Stuff so then, like that. when barely half of the games are what you would consider good, yeah. of like course three. people are going to get like you know fatigued about it and they don't want to play them. Like, oh. yeah, three was just I tried to play it but I couldn't because when your game has like an hour and a half long tutorial because it's so huge. An out? No, no. Here's the thing. When your game has an hour and a half long tutorial with a character who's much more interesting than the character you're going to spend the next 40 hours with, that burns you out. Yeah. Mhm. Mhm. Whereas his like name? what's his name? Hamich? Uh yeah, uh, not Hamich. Hamich was the uh trainer. Uh you're like Connor. Connor. No, no, no. The 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 character Oh, the uh the his son or no, his uh, father. Yeah. I think it was Hamish. Yeah, him. He was awesome. He was I amazing. want a whole gamer about him. See, the the problem with this conversation is, it's like this was the first not white uh, character they've had. Like the first, well, I mean, Ezio. They they modeled him super white in comparison to every other Middle Eastern character they had in that game. Mm-hmm. Technically, he was Italian, a POC. Yeah. No, no, I mean, didn't mean Ezio. I meant um, Altair. Altair, yeah. Altair. They mo- his character <laughs> model is ultra white. Yeah. yeah. But like the the first character who their story is about the fact that they're POC and it's just like I hate this character and it sounds so racist because it's just like he's just whining the whole time and it's like yeah his his every what happened to him happened in history and mm-hmm. like the problem is other stories have done it better like the last Mohican tells like. I'm not going to say uh, the most representative story of all time, yeah. but it Ado- absolutely makes me care more. In Black Flag, the DLC with uh, Ad, Ad, um, I pronounce his name, Adewale. Ad- Ad- Adewale. Adewale. Freedom, Freedom Cry was so good. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like the fact oh, man, that he I was, about that. he's then, a pirate um, just like just Assassin's taking out Creed Three ships. Liberation was so much better mm-hmm. than Assassin's Creed Three. You get the feeling like different people worked on it. Oh, they did. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Is there any other developers or places that you can see like there's improvement along the line? Like, you know, I Okay. Okay. Question for the night before we close. Most improved award. Most improved, Most improved award. developer or game? Game. Oh, mm, uh, okay. <laughs> Actually, let's go developer cuz you know, that kind of comes in with game. So, what developer has de- has been the best? <laughs> Are shown the most improvement. Yeah, I would say. Okay. Um, does someone have something right off the bat? I'm gonna say this year, just in terms of like them actually trying, as opposed to what EA and friends are doing. I'm gonna say Ubisoft, <laughs> despite <laughs> the fact that we're ragging on Ubisoft <laughs> right now. <laughs> but I think they're getting enough other developer like they're taking on enough new um developing development crews that they're starting to have a really wide variety of games coming out. They're making smart decisions like putting off Assassin's Creed for a year. Uh For Honor is coming out this year, which I I genuinely think is going to be the technically best game that comes out this year. Mm-hmm. And it's just like 
I think they right now are in the middle of a huge try to not suck. They're on the upswing. <laughs> yeah, like this is them. Be- they hit rock bottom like at Unity, and they're like, "Oh, we uh should stop that mm-hmm. or risk being sold like they might be." Yeah, which I mm, that's really only going to negatively affect Ubisoft, like yeah. the top tiers of Ubisoft that have been making the bad decisions. Mm-hmm. So, like, I'm not sure if I care. Like, I mean, I'm sorry for the yeah. CEOs that are going to lose their job, but you've yeah. been running a crap ship for the past 15 years, <laughs> so. I say for me, and just because I'm a Halo fan, 343 uh, Studios, the fact that I really did not catch on to Halo 4, just because, I mean, I like the story to an extent, but the multiplayer was awful. Then, I, I did not like Halo 4's multiplayer. Halo 4's multiplayer is the second best in the series. I, I could argue with that, but um, <laughs> then then you pull off from that, then you have the piece of crap that was the Master Chief Collection, so anything after that is an improvement. Yeah, I was going to say, like their, their catalog right now is Halo 4, which had the worst story in the series. Yes. Master Chief Wait, Collection. Halo 4 had the worst? Oh, absolutely. We're reversed on this because I thought like Halo 4's story, like the way it was going worked well yeah but see here's the thing that's if you look past the fact that they have so much happening in that game and that you can only know, understand if you read all the books which, and that's where that's I came a from, bad yeah. story yeah. that is a bad story if you have to read other if you have to go to a completely different medium to understand a story that's bad and that's, that's my destiny issue bad making that's destiny bad making you go to the wet grimoire web- website mm-hmm. and then I would have to say because they still have issues with the story with Halo Five. I could see where it's going. It's kind of like a leading point because even Halo Two, people argued did not have a stellar uh, story, but the payoff was good in Halo Three. That's where I'm kind of hoping in Halo uh, Six, there's a payoff to what they're going for. But the multiplayer, so many people love the multiplayer. Warzone was great. Arena took some time to get better, but they improved upon it. Um, People were even going as far as say Warzone was probably one of the best multiplayer experiences of last year. It was so good. So they 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 fine tuned Arena. Uh, yes. Because I played the beta of Halo Five and I was just like so discouraged by how much I hated the Arena experience. Mm-hmm. At, so it's it's fundamentally better. It's better now. They've included more uh, modes. Uh, everything's kind of like. They try to place you in an equal place. So the way they work it out is they want to make sure your KD is as close to, like, equal as possible. Because if you're, like, too high, that means you're being placed with less skilled players. Or if it's too low, you're playing with two experienced players. Hmm. So that's where they're trying to make it more equal. Oh, so they're doing proper balancing on the player. Okay, I like that. And then they just have social where it's a free-for-all. Who knows who you're paired up with? Jake. All right. Well, um, knowing how many indie games I play, I'm going to pick an indie developer. I'm going to pick Fulbright because moving from Minerva's Den to Gone Home to Tacoma. And I've not played Tacoma. Tacoma's not out yet, but I will I will say why I think they've improved. You have Minerva's Den, which they did the DLC for Bioshock 2. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which is widely considered one of the best DLC of all time. Yes. And taking what they learned from that environmental storytelling, like it's really good, and moving to Gone Home, which uh-huh. I thought was amazing i've replayed it recently for my um iconic women thing and i fell in love with it again just yeah, because gone home is very good objectively. so well and i feel like moving into tacoma which is going to come out this year everything i've seen about it shows them they're moving they're improving or just trying something new they're trying a bigger story 
They're trying something that, you know, seems so out of their wheelhouse in terms of just like what they've done before. And it just seems like a bigger game overall that I like to see. I like to see a small team work up to that point where they're making a big Xbox, you know, exclusive game. Yeah. And it seems to, you know, still have like their heart and soul into it, but they're trying something a little bigger and a little bolder. So that's I like that improvement in like a, a developer where I see like okay you're moving from small to you know you're you're refining what you learned and then you're trying a little bigger. See that's what I like. I like developers who are creative and don't stick with a formula because it's kind of gotten to the point like especially in like movies it's studios get so involved in it that it's so formulaic mm-hmm. in the same stuff. Whereas I like indie games because they're drastically different. And I've started playing these games more that I like. I would never have picked up Amazing Princess Sarah, and arguably it was a terrible decision. Yeah, that was. But a bad I decision. tried it. Like I would, I never, I would never normally have picked up uh, Life is Strange, but I did to try it out because you and Courtney talked about it. Like it's it was amazing, so, it and is. I tried it, and I fell in love with it. Mm-hmm. And so I've been kind of more open minded in what I play, and just instead of typically playing Halo or Call of Duty. Mm-hmm. See, I don't know. That sounded a whole lot more like. They were just the same level of incredibly awesome, just with more opportunities as they went along. I think that can that can definitely ha- hamper people. That can hamper a small studio, giving them a lot of opportunities, like um, or like giving them more like you know space to do something. Because I feel like the small. I'm trying to. I don't want to say the one example I was thinking of because I don't know how true that is. I was going to say Hello Games and No Man's Sky. The what amb- else have they done? Well, no, the ambition of it at the start of it wasn't the ambition it was once Sony got involved and, like, expanded it. Yeah. So, I, I again, I don't know how well that game's going to turn out. I'm still kind of mixed about it. But I feel like what they were working on beforehand was a smaller – I mean, like, it still was going to be, like, this procedurally generated thing. But, like, you I know. mean, at that point, the promises were going to be more believable. Yeah. And, like, the small I, – I don't know. Like, I like seeing movement from small to – refining like the small was the Minerva's den the refining was gone home and this feels like they're taking what they learned and they're just what is bigger. Tacoma it's a Tacoma, space game right it's a game that's no, the underwater game space game it's space is it's it? space yeah yeah okay what um essentially you are on this space station you're checking it out after there's a distress call and you're just investigating what happened on it but kind of I don't want to go too deep into like the story because there's spoilers and stuff like if you don't want, if you want to go completely clean, but I like I said, it wasn't out yet. There's there's gameplay of it, like out. previews and stuff where they oh, try. There's to already been previews out. So like, um, on the spaceship, there's these humanoid models of basically the last moments of these people's lives on the spaceship, and you can like investigate what's happening in their lives and stuff. And like, that seems like a bigger. It, so instead of just like hearing like audio clips, you actually get to see it. Like yes, you're you, seeing, okay. you're experiencing their life on the ship. You're seeing what they were doing, their interactions with other people on the ship. Um, so it's a bigger because I mean, like Gone Home, it told the story of that family. The this seems to be the story of a ship of a mitocosm of like a group of people. So like that seems to me like a bigger you know, expanse of what they were doing. Like, you know, they, they, they've shown that they can tell that kind of like story of a family and like a group of people. Now, you know, we're going to do that even bigger and on a bigger scale. Which that is ambitious going from just a house to a whole space station. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like I, people will, will rag on them for like, and they're all walking simulators. There's no difference between walking simulators. Well, a good one and a bad one, there is a 
major difference. Yeah, so. like no one can tell me that they can't tell the difference between Gone Home and Dear Esther. I was about to bring up Dear yeah. Esther. Mm-hmm. That's the one that deservedly gets crapped on the most because that because is... it's not a good game. No, and you know you... it doesn't tell an interesting story in a way that the environment truly matters. It's the same That's thing, thing about like... like walking simulators. Like I don't. It's seen as like a derogatory term to a game, but. In a way, like, if you pull off a narrative, which is, it's like, that's what you go in when you go into a walking simulator type game. You're going in for the story and just even what it looks like. And sometimes that just works. Mm -hmm. And people are like, oh, it's not a game. And it's like, well, I mean, the reason it's a game is the fact that it's the experience of discovery. It's interactive. Where it's like, if I were to read the story of Gone Home, there's no point... Like I found out that there were there were journals I missed mm-hmm. that made my experience different than other people's, or I found journals other people didn't. That made you may my not get the full story yeah. your first playthrough. Exactly, it's a game like because I what I do the times I've done it is I like going and investigating one specific member of the family because I I want to get everything about that. God, the mother's story is so good. Mm-hmm. I, I when I replayed it again, I went and did a little more with the father just because I've I, not been able to find enough about the father's story other than like. The stuff in his office, the, and the stuff in the TV room, and the stuff in the library. Is that all there is? There's, like, things connected to the uncle. No, yeah. I, I've nev- I've played that game, like, eight times, and I've never There's been able to find enough stuff connected to the uncle that, the that, dad. that paints that he may have been abused by the uncle in the past, and that kind of shapes, like, some of the things that happen in his writing and stuff. And you get a more—that that story, I, I've— I, I've never really investigated that one that much, but the last time I went through, I was like, oh, wow, there's a lot more to him than I thought— and mm-hmm. like I, 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 to me, like I've played plenty of indie walking simulator games, and like what? I know, yeah, see <laughs> review of Firewatch. I know the good ones and the bad ones, and this is and just seeing the fact that like it's the same thing where like Call of Duty is just another shooter, you know? Okay, yeah, but you know, play a uh, Brink. Tell me and tell me it's just another shooter. Play Brink, play Shell Shocked Vietnam, play like any of those crappy two bit shooters. Trying to play Brink. Yeah, and then say, you know, it's just another shooter. No, there's there's It's doing it well. It's doing it well. And like that's to me when people are making that complaint about you and like you know it's not right, like that's to me that's that that shows that like they're improving. Yeah. Like, yeah. So here's just a quick throwaway question I have for you, Jake. Okay. How do you feel about Gone Home and Firewatch being in the same universe? You happy with that? When I found the books... Does that just make you feel good, though? Yeah, it makes me feel good. It makes me feel good because when I found the books, I was like, I know this. <laughs> I can go save them. <laughs> oh, save them. <laughs> Sam, don't leave. I'll drive you. <laughs> it's time for that expanded universe that connects them Oh, all. yeah, the deep expanded universe. Now what watch as we go to Tacoma and there's the books up there or I find a cassette up in space and I'm like you find that uh, faux 80s synth band playing in the space station from Firewatch I doubt uh, you know what how do we bring them all together how do we bring them all together that's and the then Batman question. comes okay. and then Batman comes in so that's it for us for tonight this has been Button Mash with me I have Jake Doolin managing editor and Dalton Martin what are you oh I'm the what assistant video <laughs> <laughs> who do you think you are I'm nobody Okay, and I am Chase Streetman, Reviews Editor, and that has been Button Mash.